Thank you for tuning in to Dave Wakeman's Business of Fun podcast. I'm Dave Wakeman, and this is my opportunity to talk to people who work in experiences, theaters, concerts, sports, museums, about the challenges and opportunities that relate to creating experiences for others. My guest today is Michael Pridneyville. He is the CEO of Team Dignitas, Harris Blitzer's esports division. I wanted to have Michael on the show today so that I could better understand esports, what the business model of esports looks like, what are the demographics, how do they create value for their customers and their sponsors, and much, much more. I hope that you find this conversation as stimulating as I do. Welcome, Michael, to the show. Michael, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much. So congratulations on your new role with Team Dignitas. And as it is, I want to start out by giving my audience a little bit of a preview or like a primer on what esports is from your point of view. Sure. We can break it down real simple so everybody's on the same ground here. Um, obviously, we're all familiar with video games. And when you and I play a video game together... That's just gaming, right? When we play that same game and we either bet a lunch on it or if one guy wins, we win five bucks, we'll call that competitive gaming. When that prize pool goes up to thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand, million, twenty four million dollars, and there's ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million people watching, that's esports. So those are really the three tiers that you should be thinking of when you're thinking about gaming, competitive gaming, and esports. Oh, awesome. Thank you. That, that is actually pretty helpful for me. Um, now, knowing that you're f- brand new in this role, let me ask you, what is your, uh, the vision you have for what Team Dignitas will become? Sure. So first and foremost, um, Team Dignitas has a very storied history in the world of esports. Uh, it's, we've been around since 2003, and in the world of esports, 15 years is a really long time. So um, building on that mission is we look to be the best in every single game that we're in. So Dignitas is an organization, and in that organization, we have seven different teams across six different games. We play in Counter-Strike, we play in Super Smash Brothers, we play in PUBG, we play in Rocket League, Heroes of the Storm, Smite. And in Counter-Strike in particular, we actually have a men's and a women's team. So the goal across the board, as should be the goal with any esports organization, is to be the best in every single one of those games. Obviously a very lofty goal. But how we get there is really the key. And for us, it's all about innovation. Uh, Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, which is our parent company that uh, owns Team Dignitas, as they do the 76ers and the Devils, uh, a portion of Crystal Palace and a couple other uh, minor league sports teams. Um, each one of those teams is rooted in innovation and, and utilizing things like data and technology to become the best. Uh, and we're really looking to do that as well um, and, and just to think smartly and build smartly going forward. Oh, awesome. And well, let me ask you this, because I think it kind of opens up a door. What's going to be the guiding mission that you're going to use to put forward for your team? Sure. Uh, team Dignitas is uh, looking to become a world-class organization uh, and at the forefront of bringing the best content, brand, and fan engagement across the entire organization. Okay, great. Now, we talked about the three levels of of gaming, right? Um, who is your primary customer from your point of view? Sure. So um, let's start with the obvious customer, right, which are the people that are 
directly watching this right now and why people are so obsessed with esports and and those are the, the millennial fans uh, classically defined as 18 to 34 it actually skews a bit younger and and, and potentially even older as well um, these are people that have grown up as cord cutters and cord nevers been consuming their content over uh, free platforms like YouTube and twitch and their heroes have become these competitive gamers so that's really our core audience but the exciting thing about esports is that we're starting to see a blend beyond that. Truly, I think the audience is anyone who's ever played a video game in their life and lost and turned to the person who beat them and be like, hey, let's reset. I want to play this again. Those people can be our customers as well. And then really, finally, it's even broader than that. It's about getting into the sports realm and competition. And we're starting to see esports penetrate pop culture and traditional sports in a way like none other. So the audiences uh, can be quite expansive. When you say expansive, too, I think from the research I've done, you have, uh, or esports in general, not just you, have had done a great job of cultivating a much larger female audience than maybe some other sports and other entertainment properties. Um, does that reflect in the data you've seen and, you know, in the in the work you're doing? I speak about innovation and the work that Team Dignitas has done uh, within the women's game for, for Counter-Strike in particular has been um, cutting edge and, and we will continue to lead um, within sectors of esports that we deem to be incredibly important uh, and, and, and certainly women um, uh are, are at the forefront of that. And we will look to continue to, to nurture uh, our, our female players. Uh, we will continue to look at new teams and, and games um, in the space and certainly um, uh, work together with game developers and publishers, anyone who's looking to host female tournaments and, and bring forth uh, the female space um, is, a, is, is someone that we're looking to, to work with. Sports. What do you see as the value for the customer, not just the people who are participating, but the people who are watching? Sure. I mean, this is this is straight up entertainment, just like any other entertainment product out there. Um, you know, this is about being able to get as close to the games and the players within that games, within those games, as possible. And uh, it's really no different than than any other sport, right? So let's take basketball. Uh, at first, we had basketball, and we had a couple people playing. Uh, then those players got competitive. Then someone started a team, was able to market them, put content around them. Then the NBA came in and put together a league, and now. They foresaw something greater, a huge competition with big money and big personalities that became pure entertainment. So really, we're about um, continuing to provide that value add to what is still yet a, a, a quite young esports um, ecosystem and, and just bring it to the next level. Yeah, and I was speaking with somebody who I think experienced the Fiesta Bowls um, esports event um, recently, and they were talking about the just the engagement of the fans and, and the people who were watching the competitions. And it was really amazing because I, I don't think we even see anything comparable to that in a lot of our pro sports now. So, I mean, that's pretty, you know, to me, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. I mean, fan engagement is, is probably one of the uh, number one um, most important things about esports is that it allows us to engage directly with an audience that is absolutely wrapped with attention. If no one has been to an esports competition, I would urge you to do it. You'll you'll <clears throat> you will go into the arena. You will see uh, again a wide range of, of ages, um, that coveted millennial demographic, 14 year olds all the way up till 40 year olds. And when the competition is going on, no one is on their phone. Everybody is watching. Their jaws are dropped. Not just the player and the, and, the, and the young kid who showed up for the day, 
but his father, who doesn't even know esports, is sitting next to him, and his jaws drop, saying, "Now I get it." And this is what's happening in the entire ecosystem: investors, brands, everyone is starting to get it, and that will only continue to mature in the coming years. And so, I mean, that sounds like a really great point of where esports is having a lot of success. But is there something that you would say that you still need to figure out how to do better to continue to grow the audience? Sure, absolutely. I mean, listen, esports, we, we started this call, right? Uh, yep. Defining what esports was. And, and so that education is something that has been an issue within esports for the last couple of years and, and will continue to be an issue. So we are always and everyone in the esports ecosystem is trying to educate those around us on what esports is and what the true value is. And um, a specific case there is like the value of an impression, right? So in, in television, for instance, there are impressions that are associated with television commercials. Certain people watch television commercials. Some people don't. In esports, we put our athletes front and foremost, uh, and they are allowed to directly engage with the fan on a one-on-one -on -one level. The value of that impression and putting a brand or sponsor behind that is exponentially better than the value of, a, of, a, of an old-school television commercial. So um, it's really about educating the audience on the value of the impressions that esports delivers, and then also being able to quantify those impressions through new technologies. So we're seeing both of those really um, increase uh, and, and hope to increase uh, further in the coming years. Yeah, no, that's that's great because I've often, as a marketer, get really like frustrated when everybody says an impression is an impression, which you just confirmed for me is absolutely incorrect. Um, and I <laughs> and I see I saw something when you said it. I noticed something about your background, which is you were wor worked with the broadcasting of the Premier League when you were at C uh, NBC Sports. Is that correct? Mm. And, that is correct. And when, and in the context of more meaningful impressions, that led me to think about the Premier League because the production and the way the impressions are laid out during Premier League broadcast, to me as a consumer of the broadcast, seems much more meaningful. Um, and you know, mm. is my impression accurate? And is it, if so, is that something that you're going to kind of try to either are going to try to utilize or do utilize in the presentation of esports? Well, I'd say right off the bat, that's incredibly perceptive on your behalf because, um, you know, when NBC got the rights to the Premier League, that sort of authentic, authentic sponsor integration was, was something that was core to the product and was new to the product. Then they really took the Premier League and soccer coverage overall and brought it to the next level. You're talking about, you know, ads coming off of scoreboards and sponsored segments within within the program. All of those, those messaging from brands really resonated and brought tremendous value to the Premier League. And that is the same authentic voice um, that we look to, to utilize in esports. I mean, we have an incredible <clears throat> partners within Team Dignitas, Buffalo Wild Wings, Mountain Dew, HyperX, and Dell, and they want to directly reach their consumer. So when we're able to go into a Buffalo Wild Wings restaurant and hold a PUBG tournament and live stream the experience from that tournament with fans and sometimes even the players eating wings as we're doing it, that is an incredibly authentic experience um, for the audience and for the brand to get their messaging across. So absolutely. Um, uh, Esports is at the forefront of authenticity and, and delivering impressions in a meaningful way. No, that's great. And another thing that you just brought up that you know I wanted to ask about in general was the business model. And it sounds like 
the sponsorships and some of these uh, taking it out on the road, you know, is going to be a big part of making it sustainable. Is that correct? Sure. So, so the business model within esports, um, you know, is predominantly right now a, a traditional business model uh, where you're predominantly getting your revenue from sponsorship and advertisements. You're also um, getting significant revenue stream, <clears throat> excuse me, in media rights, and uh, and publisher fees um, for for the leagues that you're participating in, and then we also uh, have a, a a revenue stream through merchandise and ticket sales, right? But what we're really seeing is the next level of, of the business model that's coming, which is the development of, uh, we'll call them ancillary businesses that can be packaged uh, alongside our esports organization and the content around our teams um, that can drive significant revenue. So some examples of these are you see teams that have started production companies and are producing stuff in-house and for as a white-label product for, for other organizations. Um, you'll see... Uh, Websites with technology around esports that esports organizations have put out. Um, there's thought that uh, a lot of esports organizations will be getting into the youth sports scene and agencies. So there are a number of businesses that we will be uh, looking at in order to drive new revenue um, outside of that traditional model. Um, could you lay out like what's the your first like your 90 day plan look like? You know, and how you're going to know you you've been successful in steering you know your organization in the right direction. Absolutely. So um, the 90-day plan, first and foremost, is is getting a look under the hood, as they say, and, and understanding uh, the business throughout each one of our games and evaluating that business to determine whether that is a specific game um, that we think has value going forward um, and then making any adjustments around those as, as we need. The second thing is really on the employee side, right? I need to get to know my team, um, and, and that has been an, an incredible process us so far because uh, I've, I've been blessed to come into a team that's incredibly talented. Um, so understanding their skills and how they can uh, work inside of the business model that we want to roll out is crucial. Uh, and then the other thing that we'll be looking at is um, is, is our brand and our brand in the marketplace and, and what adjustments might need to be made there. Oh, no, great. Um, and let me ask you, how can people find you on the internet or where would you like them to look for you? So on social media, I can be reached at Mike Prindy, M-I-K-E-P-R-I-N-D-I. And that's usually the best way to hit me up. It's just directly on Twitter. Awesome. Well, Mike, I want, or Michael, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Um, and good luck in your new role. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Once again, I'd like to thank Michael Prendyville for being on the day's episode. If you'd like to find out more about what I'm up to, you can visit my website at DaveWakeman.com where you'll find my blog, my newsletter, and much, much more. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or any of those places that you get your podcast. And once again, thank you for listening, and I will see you again soon. Thank you again for listening.